0: You're listening, listening to a Flower Pop production. Hello lovely people, how are you? Welcome to Series 9 and oh I'm so happy we're back and come on let's just get into this because believe me when I say I have some fabulous guests for you. Today I'm going to introduce you to the brilliant rugby player Jake Heenan.
1: Yeah I've, I've certainly had it before you know where I've I've felt you know should I, I don't know I can do this I don't you know I'll often watch games and I'll see the collisions and You know, I see the size and the physically, physically, the intensity, and sometimes I think I don't know.
0: Jake plays rugby for Bristol Bears. He grew up in New Zealand and admits he didn't really have a Plan B, he just wanted to play the game he loved. We talk about how he turned this passion into a profession, being the captain for New Zealand under 20s, before moving to Ireland to become a full-time professional and then to Bristol. We also talk about the importance of continual learning and how this led to Jake opening Cafe Borough in Bristol with his teammate Luke Moran and his wife Adele. It's since been voted Bristol Cafe of the Year and they've opened a second one too. We also talk about his very latest next chapter, also with his wife Adele, the arrival of their gorgeous baby boy Max. Jake is open, honest and very humble. He tells us what it's really like performing in front of huge crowds and how he deals with those moments. It doesn't go so well. We discuss how, as parents, he believes we can get the best out of our children when it comes to sport. And we also talk about the ugly zone and how, if we can just push through it, well, then this is when the magic can happen. Hello and welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter. Or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here he is, Jake Heenan. Jake Heenan, well, I can't think of a better way for me to start my new series of The Next Chapter. Welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Very welcome.
0: And Jake, I should, I mean, for anyone listening, they won't be able to see this, but we are actually joined by somebody else who will be, we will be going on, we will mention later on, but little baby Max, who's a month old, he's sleeping on your chest and he's just gorgeous. So this is a, a first for The Next Chapter, but very happy to have him with us.
1: Yeah, hey, well, it is well and truly a next chapter for me, anyway, as I'm uh, as I'm figuring this out on the job. So
0: yeah, well, speaking of figuring out, Jake, I'm going to also before we get going, I'm going to just hold my hands up that rugby is not one of my best subjects. So I want you to just bear with me and be patient if I ask you some, what probably sounds like some completely ridiculous questions.
1: That's no problem at all.
0: Okay, so we're going to start with, as we always do with the uh, with the prologue. So you grew up in New Zealand, and I understand you grew up on, in a on a farm. It was quite rural living outside of Auckland.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I grew up in, um was as outside of a city called Whangarei. Uh, it's the, sort of north of the um, north of the North Island. Um, yeah, look, we yeah, lived on a farm, and we were very close to the coast, so very much out of doors life, and lots of fishing and diving, and. Um, you know, sort of come from a rugby family, so I did a lot of that as well. So um, quite different actually to my life in Bristol, which is, um, yeah, which is, which is ironic and I've really come to enjoy living in a flat and living in the city and, and enjoying that, you know, so it's um, quite different.
0: Two sides of the coin. So, when you were growing up, you so you came, you say from a rugby family. I'm saying you you have a brother. Did you, I mean was rugby just a part of your life? Presumably in New Zealand, this this is what it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think it is for a lot of people. But you know, I sort of I grew up in a, a single parent household with my dad, and he was playing, so we would be at the rugby club with him. And you know, then when my brother was old enough, he was playing and my dad was coaching and so I was there with them so we just it was just kind of a part of everyday life all of our friends played rugby and uh you know our parents and their parents and so we sort of spent a lot of time in and around rugby.
0: At, at school what kind of pu- pupil were you? Were you into your academic side of life or were you just all about your rugby?
1: Yeah I look I started school and, and I was and I kind of I kind of lost direction a little bit I, I, I quite enjoyed my sciences and that and um, and I sort of lost my way a little bit and didn't sort of know what I wanted to do and that was when I probably more picked up rugby and and in the end it was it was just sort of eat my lunch and play rugby and um and try and make a go of that, you know
0: how how does it work jake and forgive me for asking but you know when because obviously we know lots of people and their they their children play rugby and we see it and we, and my son um plays football at, you know and i see the passion that he has for it but when does it go from being something that you feel passionate about and you do to you think do you know what i actually can make a career out of this because presumably i mean this is every sort of little boy's dream to take their sport that they love to that level so when was it for you that you started to think how on I could actually do this
1: yeah my, my journey was probably a little bit different so where we grew up it wasn't um there weren't really a lot of you know there, there's a professional rugby team or a semi-professional rugby team um but there weren't a lot of uh you know super successful rugby players there it was a small place and um you know a lot of resources etc so i i kind of you know I wanted to make a, a regional uh a team and and I made that, and um, you know I was lucky enough. I sort of played well enough, and and I made a, a New Zealand schoolboys team, which I, I didn't actually know existed at the time. But um, so I, I sort of it was probably around the age when I was 15, and they started bringing a few of my contemporaries into the local academy, uh, which I didn't make. And that was kind of when I was, you know, I just wanted to make the academy because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to to be there, and then. Um, once I got there, and I, I saw a rep team, the, the guys who are older than me were making, and kind of want to. I want to go and make that, and that's kind of how it happened. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, get a few a few breaks and a few opportunities, and um, you know, was able to be in the the right space to take them. I suppose.
0: And so, because I understand, did you you also went to the Unitec uh, Institute of Technology as well? Did you? So th- that was after school.
1: Yeah, so I, I was fortunate enough to play in that that schoolboys team. Um and then I was offered a an academy contract, which was, you know, it was sort of a bit of bare money, um, to to go down to Auckland and train there, which is obviously a much better facility and, and much better players and resources. So I went there and um, you know, looking back it was we were really fortunate that we were we would train before eight and we'd train after five. So we had a whole day to, to do something. So I um, yeah, did a bit of study at the university for for a couple of years, um, just until I signed my my first full time contract.
0: And did you ever think then, you know, did you have like a backup plan if you were thinking, I really want to be a rugby player? Did you ever think, do you know what? So, when you went to the institute, actually, if I don't, this is what I'm going to do?
1: Absolutely not. No, I was very, <laughs> um, I was very bull headed young man. I was very, um, you yeah, know, very strong convictions. I knew what I wanted to do, and and um. You know, and I was very, very, very driven, very single minded to achieve that. So I while I studied and I knew that is a very limited career and you don't do it for so long. So I knew that I wanted to continue studying through my career for afterwards. But I think at the time there was there was no way that I wouldn't sort of succeed in rugby, because that's that's all, all I really wanted to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so for you then, when you presumably when you went to Auckland, that must have just felt oh, my goodness, that you were sort of really in, right in the centre of it all.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was, again, I, I was, um, I loved it. I loved I loved the training. I loved the competitiveness. And, and I, I just couldn't wait to get my hands on, you know, bigger, better players and, and the opportunity to train more and, and train better. And, again, there were always more teams and more things to try and accomplish. So I was just, yeah, I was just super excited for that, you know, to sort of, you know, you, you sort of, I suppose, you you almost grow... You know, where I was, I'd i sort of became a you know I'd, I'd filled out my pond as it were, and I was I was ready to, to go and be a small fish in a big pond again and 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 have another go. So um, so yeah, look again, loved that and got to play with you know um, you mightn't be aware, but the likes of Stephen Luatua and Charles Pietel, they they played with us here and two of the best players in the world, and um, they were two of the guys I met on my first day in in the Auckland Academy. You know, and these were the mm-hmm. sorts of guys who were were there and, and I think of that academy there was seven or eight of those guys went on to be all blacks and it was um so it was just it was just super exciting to to sort of get to challenge myself and and I suppose, you know, pit myself against against guys who were who were much better than me.
0: Oh amazing. And how old were you then, Jake?
1: So I would have been out of school, so I've been eighteen.
0: Wow, okay. And you actually you put, have I got this right that you played for the baby all blacks?
1: Yeah, so I played School Boys in like two thousand nine and then uh, went to South Africa with the under 20s in 2011.
0: Wow I mean what was that like?
1: It was awesome <laughs> it was really really cool it was you know I'd spent a I'd sort of you know wanted to make that for a long time and um, yeah it's been a long time preparing and you know to a uh, again I was very bald-headed so at the time I was you know I was going to be an all-black and there was there was no question about that and um, this was the first sort of step along that so to be able to you know we're a, a a jersey that represented your country and compete on an international stage was um very proud, very enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I bet it was. I mean, and I say this now, I mean, obviously we'll go on to this later, but I say this now, I'm a, I'm a mum of a teenage uh, boy, you know, he's 13. And, you know, you see, I mean, to, for you to have uh, something like that, I mean, from such a young age, but you were just, I presume you were channeling everything into that. So, and to even to be able to cope with nerves, to be able to cope with the discipline, to be able to do that from such a young age, do you think that did just help you sort of navigate your way through the teenage years as such? Do you think it did give you a structure?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I kind of, um, you know, when I was sort of around 15, 16, I was sort of a, a little bit wayward. I ended up sort of moving out of home quite young and um, got in a little bit of trouble um, sort of with school and and, uh, and a, a couple of local authorities. Nothing nothing serious, but, you know, just that sort of, yeah, a bit, a bit wayward sort of not sure what I was doing, not sure what direction I was going. And rugby was um was just such a such a positive thing to put my energy into. And um, you know, I really enjoyed it. I really wanted to do well with it. And I, I suppose it was, yeah, like you say, it's something I could really latch on to and um I would say at the time I would say it probably was my personality. Um but again, it was it was positive. It would um you know sort of more or less kept me on the straight now and, and gave me something to yeah, put a lot of positive energy into
0: yeah I've, and so much focus because you know you see I remember my, yeah my, oh I mean God, I was never any good at sports at school so I wasn't saying like that but there's so many there's so many uh I mean I won't tell you about the fact I was never picked for my netball team Jake this is not the time but you know it's it, I'm getting flashbacks now flashbacks <laughs> but um it all counts yeah, yeah it does um but uh you know it's it's very easy now and like you're a dad and you're you you know what happened and you've done so well but at that time to have that focus and not you know and like you said maybe you did have a bit of a wobble there but then you got back on track and to not be you know go down a different route and go out with your mates and you could have been getting drunk and that's what most 16 year olds say want to be doing so that shows the focus and determination I suppose you do need to be able to take it in anything really to take it to the level that you've taken it to
1: yeah I think so look and that's not to say that um again that you know I found rugby and I was a perfect teenager because I was I was far from it but uh but you're 100% right you know it was something that that I enjoyed something I could latch on to um and you know just I suppose t- just have a single purpose to to drive towards and um and yeah that was yeah that that was a large part of of where I found my success
0: yeah amazing so and and again forgive me if I have this wrong but is did you meet Pat Lamb when you were still in New Zealand
1: yeah so before I made New Zealand schools uh the, the team I alluded to earlier was a uh, blues secondary schools team now pat was the director of rugby at the blues at the time and and i was still in school you know a few hours up the road and um he sort of came down and and just sort of helped out with the schoolboys team while he was doing the men's um and i was actually playing i was playing a bit of second row and a bit of six i was kind of playing everywhere and uh, he was actually the one who said oh look you know try this guy at, at um at open side and um you know and and it sort of worked they didn't have an open side in the team and it worked out alright and I got picked there and um I've ended up playing my entire career there so that was where I first met pat and then when I moved to Auckland uh, his son was in the academy as well so became good friends with him and got to know the family and um yeah so I I've been you know quite close with with all the lambs for yeah, best part of 11 years now
0: mm, amazing and so and that's then so that's how then bringing sort of really into well we've already gone into your first chapter but this is how you came over here as such and you went have I got this right you went to Connock
1: the Ireland yeah so Pat moved to Ireland um and this is around that same time I was sort of Auckland Academy and I didn't have i didn't have a good contract there i was kind of in development contracts waiting to see what would happen and um yeah he asked if i wanted to come over and you know spend three years there as a as a full-time professional which was really appealing um and to actually get paid money because i never actually earned money before so that was nice um, yeah and see a bit of the world so um that was that was kind of how how it all started for me
0: yeah and what was that like to leave New Zealand I mean that's a long way isn't it to come over and you're still you know relatively young uh, you know what was that like again was it just because you thought this is my way of doing rugby full-time and you know because I know you're very close with your brother did it was he over here then as well or did you leave your family behind and just come on your own
1: yeah, I'm trying to think where where my brother was at the time. So he he played a bit in the States. He played, he might've been in the States at the time. He'd lived in Perth for a bit. So he'd sort of been around the world. So, you know, there was always that, you know, he had he'd set off. I think he moved to the UK when he was 15, 16. Um, like I said, I'd sort of, you know, I'd left home when I was 15 and then I'd, you know, I'd moved to Auckland when I was 18. So I was pretty used to, you know, getting on and, and doing my own thing. And so, um, no, to be completely honest with you, I didn't think twice about it. I was uh, super excited and um, I think one thing with rugby, I think at the time I, I kind of felt like, you know, you, you commit so much to, to wanting to get this career and what a lot of your mates were doing was going overseas and travelling and, and having these opportunities to go to Europe, you know, and um, so for me it was, it was perfect. It was a way I can, you know, I can go and work on my craft and, and get better at rugby and Essentially, at the end of those three years, come back to New Zealand, but I could go and see the world, which was something I really wanted to do.
0: Yeah, and so when you arrived over an island, I mean, to know that, to sort of, to did it, did it feel different that the fact that you were then doing this, this was your job, you are here on sort of like the other side of the world. Did that, did that give you more pressure when you? Uh, you know, sort of trying to get my my head around it, really, to the fact that you're going out in front of all these people and you're doing this sport. Did it change in any way, or did you just carry on doing what you had always been doing and sort of learn how to deal with that kind of pressure?
1: Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I think, um, you know, it was an opportunity, one to put more time into it. You know, because I, I loved, I love training. I love sort of trying to be uh, better at, at at rugby. So, you know, I suppose in that first year, I learnt so many you know, so much about professionalism and, you know, about myself. And that was really exciting. But for me, it was, you know, it was an opportunity to compete against professionals, um, to compete against, um, you know, very, very good players around the world. We got to play against uh, Thierry Doucetois, who's a French legend, and obviously Alan Wynne-Jones and um, Leinster, who had the entire Ireland team. So these are the people I was, you know, so i sort of gone from playing – you know semi-professional sort of club rugby to competing in some of the best players in the world so for me it was it was just super exciting it was um it was the same as everything else I'd done it was just you know sort of put my head down do the work and, and get out and just really enjoy myself I suppose.
0: And and is it I mean do you always really enjoy it? Do you, I mean when you're facing people like that do you get do, I mean, do you ever get, especially going back then, did you get, were you nervous? I mean, when you walk onto that pitch and they are standing there and these enormous people, do you ever look at it like that? Or is it more, are you able to be grounded enough to think, hang on, this is what I've been training all my life to face?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely get nervous, um, you know, and, and yeah, I would go as far as, you know, saying sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes I get scared and it's, um, look, it's, it's all part of it. You know, that's sort of the challenge is, um, to be the best version of yourself, and um, and and how that, you know, that doesn't just happen on, you know, at kickoff. That that happens all through the week and and all through the year, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, mostly, mostly, I, I just get very excited. Um, you know, I, I love what I do, and, and I enjoy the challenge. And and for me, if I'm if I'm relaxed and I'm comfortable and I'm, I'm enjoying, um, you know, the the day and being there, I, I play better as well. I, I don't sort of I don't tend to play, um, you know, overly angrily or anything like that. I just, I really want to enjoy it. And if I'm enjoying myself, if I'm having fun, then I'm playing better. So, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely times where where it's it's pretty nervous. But, yeah, I think for me, it's, that's all part of the fun, you know, it's part of the challenge and um, part of sort of, yeah me me growing as a person and and yeah challenging myself I guess. Mm,
0: absolutely. So you were there you were there for 3 years and then so now you're in lovely Bristol and we're very happy that you've come to Bristol. Um and how again, you're you're here with Pat Lamb. In fact, we actually my husband and I saw him in our local pub the other night and we were we were quite completely starstruck and uh, quite excited, but we didn't we didn't dare to go up and, and say hello to him. But um so you know, you're big it's a, you know, Bristol is now a big part, you are all a big part of Bristol. So how did it come that you came here to Bristol?
1: Yeah, so look I, yeah, I worked with with Pat for, for five years in Ireland and, and obviously he came across and um got the job and Uh, My mother's English, so I'm I'm qualified for for England, and I have a passport, so that that probably logistically was part of the reason, but, um, you know, myself and Pat have worked together for a long time, and uh, I think we've we've got a very good relationship, there's a lot of trust there, so he was keen to bring me across, and I think I was ready for something new as well, Galway is an incredible place, I loved it, but uh, I don't know if you've been to Galway, it's a very small place, I think there's... 64 pubs within a kilometer of the city center you know and you've sort of once you've been around those a few times it's probably time to move on so have done them <laughs> um so yeah it was ready for something new so um so yeah it was it was a pretty easy decision
0: okay so then so you came to Bristol and did, had you met your wife by this stage did you meet your wife in Bristol
1: I met her in Galway so we'd been together for two and a half three years in um in Galway and then we we moved across so um it was nice for us as well you know we could kind of move here together as a couple and and we, we could kind of you know build a bit of a life together which was which was really nice.
0: Yeah I'm going to just have to ask you, does she like rugby?
1: Does she like rugby?
0: Yeah does she enjoy it?
1: She she's she's yeah I think she does now she had no idea what it was when we first met but um yeah I think so. I hope so.
0: Yeah yeah well I hope so you have to you have to ask her Jake you have to ask her. Um and then so <laughs> So um, so here you are in Bristol. So, you know, we know, and again, um, I know this, uh, we have got lots of lovely close friends and they go off and they watch Bristol Bears and it's such a big part and it's lovely to see I saw it with my dad and my brothers with football and it's just such a lovely thing and it's such a bonding thing isn't it for not necessarily just fathers and sons but families to go along so again when you're there and I know sort of what a family ground it is when you walk out do you ever think of them you know how do you deal with that the crowd there and you can you know there's there's children and you're their hero and you're going out and you need to win because otherwise they're going to be really fed up do you ever think Think like that or is that just a completely sort of ridiculous kind of mindset to have?
1: Yeah, look, I think um with you know when you when you're playing the game, I think again part of enjoying you know enjoying playing and enjoying the experience and you know enjoying the noise, enjoying the atmosphere and enjoying meeting people and, and that's you know that's that's a, a massive privilege. Um, but then I think in, in terms of the actual game um you know I suppose a snapshot of high performance is just very small moments one after the other you know and it's all it's all about the next moment and, and whatever that looks like it's it's winning that or, or putting your best foot forward there so and that's what the 80 minutes are made up of, of of tiny moments and and me contributing my best to help the team and so that's that's kind of where my head is at is just okay what do I have to do now go and do it really well and then what do I have to do then go and do it really well and just try and get into you know where I'm enjoying it and and it's coming naturally and um you know so so in terms of thought there's not there's not a lot of thoughts that go on during the game it's just sort of onto the job onto the next job um from there but yeah in and around the game definitely enjoy the enjoy the fans and the atmosphere
0: yeah do you forget about the crowd do you get to a point where you actually forget about the crowd when you're if you're so engrossed in the match
1: oh absolutely yeah it becomes you know and it was it was interesting because even with when there was no crowds you know that the first one, you know, during COVID, the first game was was a bit strange, but you got very used to no crowds being there as well. And you know, I suppose it's such a, um, you know, sensory intense sport. There's so much going on. There's there's not a lot of time to sort of think and and, and focus. So um, so yeah, when when you're in it, I don't think it's um, you know, you, you get a bit of a a bit of a a bump and a bit of a um, a push when the crowd's really going. But you know. For the most part, it's just sort of onto the job and, and, and trying to do that well.
0: Yeah, and we touched on nerves earlier. I mean, I um, I'm a journalist and I read the news. I did it this weekend and I do we, you know do live TV and I've been doing it for 27 years. And I would say pretty much every time, still, when they're counting down and you hear the we hear the countdown. And I've spoken with uh, I've got great colleagues and we've yeah. we've all spoken about this and we all, all often feel the same. That you get this moment where you think, yeah, I don't want to do this or I feel a bit sick now. And yeah, um, mm. and maybe am I going <laughs> to swear? Am I just going to? I'm not going to read the link. I'm going to just swear. And something bad's gonna happen. And we all get that, like that moment just and then it passes, but you get that moment. Do you get that? Do you get that as you walk out that tunnel? Or do you ever do you ever get that like oh god feeling or or, or don't you?
1: Yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, I think sometimes probably less so as we're we're getting onto the field, I think the build up for us probably probably starts, you know, that, that countdown for me would start you know a good hour or so before the game right and that's when you're sort of starting to build into it. Um, yeah you know, I've, I've certainly had it before you know where i've I've felt you know should I, I don't know I can do this I don't you know I'll often watch games and I'll see the collisions and you know I see the size and the physical physicality the intensity and sometimes I'll think I don't know I don't know I can do that you know but um, you know it's it's one of those where once you're out there and once you're on that field, um, it's just a beautiful place. It's a place I've spent, you know, hours and hours, and you know, since I was a child um, running around on. And, and everything gets a lot smaller and a lot simpler and, and once I'm out there. And so I suppose for me, yeah, absolutely have those doubts. But but I know that if I've done the work, um, you know, I, I can trust myself that when I get out there, I can do the job. and um, And I know I have the tools to do the job. So sometimes if it's really bad I just have to get myself out there and and get into it and you know then there are other things I can use like you know go and find a bit of a bit of contact early you know go and find a tackle or a carry or a breakdown or something you know something small and then okay now I'm into it you know um other times you know if I'm if I'm if I'm right up for it and I'm really excited that's that's not so much of a problem so so I suppose yeah you know I have I have doubts like everyone else and I imagine you know A lot of people in in sport do, but have, like yourself, have spent a long time in in my career sort of learning and developing tools to deal with that. And um, Yeah, and and as a a wise man once said, you can't be brave if you're not first scared. So, um, you know, I don't see anything wrong with it.
0: Yeah, no. It's well. I'm glad to. I'm glad we're not alone. I'm glad we're not alone in our crazy world. Exactly. Uh, that we, in the, in our, we, and actually, it, some, it. Yeah, it is amazing because it's incredible how people do. Because this is the thing, and this is all part of the next chapter thing. Is that w- which I'm trying to sort of show here is we all think other, other people have got it sorted and they don't feel like this. No matter what yes. your next, no matter what your next chapter is, even with parenthood, whatever it may be. And I suppose as well, the other the other side of it as well. And again, this is it is, is the same with all. Next, chapters is not being too attached and i've had to sort of come to terms with this myself a bit that i um, not too too attached to the outcome so i'm now writing Ooh. books but just because i haven't sold a million books doesn't mean to say i'm a i'm a total failure um but it's and it's like i suppose it must be with you that if you lose you know how do you you how you cope with that that you're you're attached or you're not so attached that you're completely defined by it
1: um yeah, look, I, th- I think yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. I think um, I think everyone has imposter syndrome at, at some point. It's it's difficult not to, and um, I think it's important to understand that. Whenever you you walk into any room, you know there's there's often everyone's feeling the same way. So, uh, I, I, for me, my fix for that is is trying to continually learn and better myself, and and just in, in a way that whether that's with my sport, you know, I'm. Um, i'm thirty one now and, you know I might have tops another four or five years left in my career, but I suppose I'm aware that if i if I stop getting better, if I'm okay well i'm I'm here now, I'm one of the old guys I, I don't need to learn, well, I'll pretty soon you know be out the door and and no one will remember me. you know so it's really important that even though I've done this for a long time, I have to keep learning and I have to keep getting better um, otherwise I, I you know i I won't be any good to anyone. Um, and in the same, outside of rugby, you know, and that's how how I came to start a business because I, I wanted to learn about it, and learning about it got me wanting to learn more about it, and you know, next thing you jump into it, and there you are. So, I think in terms of finding out what you want to do, um, the more doors you open, the the more you sort of experience and you and you learn to well, you learn what you enjoy and, and what works, and, um, and and I think that'll that that's helped me find. Um, you know find direction and, and find things again that I can put my energy into and things that I enjoy mm,
0: I can under yeah and and we will come on we will absolutely come on and talk to, about that and because so, I mean that is such a good way of looking at it it's like what you were saying earlier as well breaking things down into little chunks so if someone's listening to this and thinking god I just mm-hmm. you know I feel like this that uh, with writing God, I feel like I've got so much to learn but that actually is you turn that round into the beauty of it isn't it that this is the way you grow and it's its learning something else and I suppose I mean I know as well you've been involved quite a lot with some mental health work as as well which I presume is taken it's from a lot of this is it that, that, that you can see how important it is you have to just watch your mind and other people have to watch their mind so much because you can if you have injuries or I know you've had injuries in the past but presumably you can very quickly go into a dark a place that you need to make sure you keep away from this. I, I know you've spoken about the the importance that you've had some really a couple of really close friends that you've been able to talk to when you've had your injuries and it's just making sure you manage all of this, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, no absolutely. And again, I think for me that it's all part of, you know, as a professional you sort of you build tools to help, you know, with your profession, the way, you know, I'm sure that you've been building your 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 writing toolbox. There's things you can go to if you're struggling and um and it's, it's exactly the same uh privately as well right like we you know and, and now obviously my wife and I are both very sleep deprived and, and I need to keep making sure I, I work on, on my tools so that I can have a happy marriage you know and and I think um you know and that's that's obviously a lot a lot to do with with you know sort of uh mentality and, and state of mind and that kind of thing but you know that it's and that's the that understanding that you know, there is no there is no end point, you know, this is life is a journey and, and you know, you just have to sort of enjoy learning and enjoy growing and um, you know, there isn't ever really a destination. Well well, I'm I'm here now and, and that's it. You know, we, we keep we sort of we keep on that process of, of learning and growing and developing and and yeah, again, for me, learning to enjoy that process is, has been a big help.
0: I'm just while I've still got you in the rugby section because we're going to move on. But just going back there with with the mental health side of things, do you think within rugby? And I know we talk about this in so many different areas, but do you think like? people are getting better about talking about it within rugby obviously sort of a very male culture which we know that men lovely as you are aren't always the best at talking about these things but do you think it and I you know and I've heard you speak as well that the stigma is we all know the stigma is still there everywhere more than it should be and obviously everyone's working so many people are working to get rid of this but do you feel things are changing that you are a bit better at talking about how you are and with each other? I
1: think so yeah I think so it's it's always it's always going to be a a bit of a a bit of a wrestle you know with with high performance sport it's you know you you have to get results and and you have to be at your best time and time again and that's obviously difficult and um and that causes causes pressures you know but but there's no way around that so I think I think people are definitely better at, at sort of sharing experiences and finding common ground and and techniques and tools that are used to sort of get through those sorts of things um, you know particularly I mean I, I can only really speak for for Bristol bears like an excellent group of lads I think an organization which is you know which is very vision driven um, culture driven you know we don't have we don't have bad people in our organization you know so that's that's a big a big part of that is, is creating a culture that you know allows people to, to perhaps be vulnerable and and to go to each other and and find solutions. so, you know very fortunate that the places I've played rugby there there hasn't been hasn't been much of a problem mm,
0: that's good. if someone's listening to this now i mean be it that they're dealing with a son or a daughter who you know they've just lost a big match and that oh my goodness when my son comes home after his football match and he gets so angry and the referee is always bad and you know it's like all it is true all is lost and not only that if somebody themselves that has experienced something recently something that has not gone as well at work or you know that that feeling what do you do in that situation situation when you talk about your tools what do you what would you say to that person or to that child who's feeling really rubbish that they've just missed that try
1: yeah I mean first of all if, if you lose a game yeah I think you have every right to be upset um you know sports it, it's sort of it's a it's a zero-sum game you, you either win and it's the best thing ever or you lose and it's the worst and 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 winning wouldn't be so good if losing wasn't so bad so you know I think that's part of it um but there is it's it's all it's like a grieving process you know you you can be upset and uh yeah you be pissed off and and that's fine but then it's going back to the process okay well okay well why why did we lose or you know and that's sort of as a team but for myself it's like, well, okay well, well how did i play did i do my job you know and okay well if i didn't do my job very well, well what didn't i do well you know why didn't i do it well and i can go back and when I can dissect that, when I can break that down into well, what's actually gone wrong, then I can fix it. I can do something about it, and that doing something about it—that is again—it's that's still part of that that almost that grieving process. And then once I've done something about it, I can feel that okay, well, I can put that behind me now. You know, because I know I've I know I've made mistakes, but I've learned from them, and now I can I can implement what I've learned into next week. And you know, and again, I think it's very similar to life. It's you know, we get things wrong um, all the time, and uh, and and it is frustrating and it, it's annoying. But okay, well, why why did that you know why did that go wrong? And maybe it's something out of my control, and that's just that's part of life, and we have to move on. But okay, maybe I could have done this better. I, maybe I could have been more empathetic with this person, and and that would have helped me, you know, down the line. And and if I'm aware of that, I can do something about it. And then you know, in the future, hopefully, hopefully, I'm better at
0: it. Yeah, it's all about that self awareness, isn't it? It really is, and then just like you say, just just these tiny little chunks. It's very good advice. Very good advice. So, moving on to the next chapter, and so this is—I mean, I—I I love this. And we, we, my husband and I discovered your cafe borough. It was a Monday morning. It was pouring a rain, and he read that it was like the best coffee shop in Bristol. It won this award or it'd been voted, and we were like, "Oh, we'll try it," and we're like. And and we you know it was a pretty bleak morning and it was just I'm not just saying this Jake I promise you I'm not just saying this but it was just like full of sunshine like lovely people working there lovely atmosphere just gorgeous packed in this on the side street of Bristol so how but we were saying and then we were saying hang on this is because I remember on our news we then I thought oh, actually we, I think we had done a piece about this but like so how did does a rugby player go to opening i know you're doing it with your partner luke how did you go to opening a coffee shop because in the nicest respects you mentioned beer and the 64 pubs uh where you were but it normally it's associated more with alcohol than say ho- coffee if I, am i right am i being very old fashioned saying that
1: no look i, I think um yeah part of, like coffee is a big part of rugby culture uh mainly because you know because we train quite hard there's not you know, uh, going surfing and uh, walking, hiking those those kind of things would be quite difficult to do on your downtime. So, so often drinking coffee is almost turns into a hobby. Um, so I think so for for Adele and I, we we'd sort of you know we'd talked about the idea maybe after rugby we had some time maybe something we'll go and do. Um, and you know I read a a book that you know I, I really enjoyed uh, The E Myth by Michael Gerber. Um, and he talks you know about Small businesses and why small businesses uh, often fail and, and solutions around that. Something I thought, oh, it'd be interesting. I will read that and maybe after rugby we'll, we'll try something. And what I found was ninety percent of what he said in that book was was what I'd learned through my rugby career. It was it was almost copy and paste. You know, it's like this this is pretty straightforward. These are things that I know. So. Um, yeah, I was I was walking home one day and shot Luke a message. Said, "Do you want to open a cafe?" And he said, "Yes." And that was kind of it. And then we, you know, we we just tore into it. And I think, you know, we knew early on that we didn't want we never wanted our business to be limited by our knowledge. You know, so Adele's got a very extensive hospitality knowledge, but you know, none of us had worked in a kitchen. We'd never had any kitchen experience. But you know, we I suppose we knew how to go about doing things and finding the right people to sort of complement. We were again, very, we were very vision driven about what we wanted to, to achieve. And, um, and yeah, we, we just put our best foot forward and, and we got it wrong a lot and, you know, we learned and we went again and it was, it was just rinse and repeat and, um, and we're still doing that now to this day.
0: That's amazing, though, isn't it? And isn't that interesting? And I think this is, again, something in next chapters that we all forget. All, you would never believe what you'd learn through rugby would help you open a business. But actually, so much of what we do learn, you can apply it to other to other parts, which you, you wouldn't necessarily believe you can do that. And, so, and what I think is amazing is you did this in lockdown, didn't you? Because you started off with takeaways only, which, is I mean, to be honest, is yeah. really brave.
1: Yeah. yeah, look, it was, um, you know, sort of, uh, I suppose the timing, the timing didn't work out too badly for us in the end. We were able to sort of renovate while we, you know, while we were serving takeaway coffees. Um, people were sort of ready for something new. I think a lot of our success as well is we wanted to be, we wanted to be a really friendly, inclusive place. We wanted to, you know, I find that coffee sometimes in the UK, if it's a really high standard of coffee, it can, it can be a bit intimidating. Um, it can be, you can almost feel that, you know, well, if I don't exactly know what this coffee is or that coffee is, maybe I'm not welcome. You know, and we wanted to really break that down. So we wanted to have that really high offering of, of coffee and, and food, but we wanted to be a place where everyone comes, everyone enjoys it. Um, you know, we we put a lot of emphasis on the people element. So, um, so yeah, for us, that was that was kind of a yeah a big part of of why we started. And we found that during COVID, people, you know, were really really missing human interactions, you know. So so having that emphasis there was probably a big a big step to our success. So while the timing was difficult. Um, there were a lot of silver linings for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, Luke, I think Luke's from Australia. Is, is, am I right that he's Australian? And you're obviously That's from right. New Zealand. And so you thought uh, you could see that, that actually the way the coffee shops... I mean, you know, there's so many coffee shops in Bristol, but the way it was done already isn't quite like how you knew it from combined with Australia and New Zealand. You, so you could bring something different. And it's all... It's very local. And there is a completely different feel about it. There is a real there is a feel about it um and I don't know how you create that but there is but but you have and is that is that sort of was that was part of your philosophy because again I think people are so they think oh hang on they don't oh, I'd like to open a coffee shop but there's so many or I would like to be a florist but there's enough florists there's always enough of but the the truth is there isn't is there because there's not a coffee shop does like you and Luke could create which you have created which is something completely different here in Bristol
1: yeah I think um you, you did right like being the first thing we did was set out our vision and finding our true north, you know, and that way, whichever direction we took, well, okay, we knew this is where we had to get back to. And um, again, being very sort of people first and um, putting a lot of emphasis, putting a lot of effort and emphasis in in people. And that's not customers, but that's staff, you know, and, and finding ways that, and again, you know, rugby is such a, a culture heavy job that, that we found we had a lot of tools that we can build a really good team and, we can find good people, and we can have really honest and open conversations with people, and, and and help them get better and and achieving what we want to achieve. So, so that really helped. Um, and yeah, so then we, you know, we set out and we, we had our vision of where we wanted to get to, and um, yeah, we we just sort of worked away on it, I, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And then you've opened a second one on the Gloucester Road as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, we've um, yeah we're up and which is probably more of your sort of uh, your local community cafe, but. You know we bring the same values through and um and again it's it's a lot of it's cut and copy of, of what we do and and i think on that that people element it's it's exactly the same as what we spoke about earlier that's there's not an end goal it's not like oh okay i've done this this and this now i've got a great team that's good you know like a, the big part of my job within the cafe is, is just having conversations with people and you know whether someone's disgruntled or whether they're doing really well and it's just sitting down and, and talking and, and even if it's neither and just having conversations like this and and, and you find out a lot about where they're coming from and you find out potential weaknesses in the business or things that we do well but we don't do enough of and um, the more I find the more effort you you put into people the more time you put into people the sort of the more you get out of them so that's probably probably been a large part of our success as
0: well and that feeling that i was talking about earlier that it does feel different obviously i know you get it's all very locally sourced but obviously you've got lots of influences from australia and new zealand but the the atmosphere in there do you think that comes from this honesty do you think do you think that's where i mean where does the atmosphere come from would you say if it's easy to define
1: yeah i think we you know we put a lot of emphasis on on good customer relations and not everybody wants that not everyone wants to come in and grab a coffee and and Chat with someone or not everybody wants to a table service on their lunch break maybe they want to grab something and go and and that's fine but so i feel that the the culture we've created amongst our staff and amongst the cafe we it's kind of reflected in our customers you know we we attract customers that that want that you know and and we get we get ugly customers just like everyone else who uh you know get upset at at nothing and and they often don't come back and it's absolutely fine so that's probably how we've created the culture again is as we've set out to achieve something um you know we we haven't compromised on it and and that's the people we attract and and that's kind of what we wanted you know we wanted to be a place where everyone's welcome and you know you come and and you have a good time you enjoy it it's, it's very people first and and again if people don't like it then that's absolutely no problem at all
0: and when you were recognized for all of you for Adele as well and fluke I mean that must have been such a special thing for, because a big thing in Bristol because again there are so many places but to, to be recognized like you were that must have meant everything to you
1: yeah, it was really special yeah that was um you know like a lot of hard work had gone uh, gone on to get where we were you know like a lot of a, a lot of um, tough conversations you know even with me and Adele you know we had to learn how to work together and and um, under a lot of stress and there were a lot of very stressful times so so to be able to to work through all of that and and then to get to a place where yeah where we were publicly recognized in Bristol was really really special.
0: Yeah how much in, does your time is divided between rugby and the coffee places?
1: It, it depends it depends on you know uh, where we are in the season. So rugby is absolutely my priority and um, when we're in season uh, that's where my head's at. But we'll have a couple of days off a week um, towards the back end of the season we'll sort of, some of our days we'll, we'll finish a bit sooner and that's where I can kind of pick up a few bits there. Uh, we, we've spent a lot of time and we've invested a lot of time in, in sort of growing a leadership group within the, the cafe, you know, between floor staff and, and chefs and, and managers. So, you know i've sort of full faith in them now that they understand what we're trying to achieve uh if, if there's something that i can't get to i'll often just hand it to one of them and, and they do it and so so that's kind of where we're trying to grow to now as well as a place that it's not dependent on me or, or adele it's you know we, we've got enough people that the cafe can run and, and even grow and improve on its own so so yeah it depends at the moment of my off season and I'm, I'm really sinking my teeth in and trying to get a lot of work done which i'm enjoying but um you know we're, we're back in i think june 19 and and then i'll probably probably have to, to step away for a, a month or so
0: yeah and what i mean Jay what happens if something's not gone well shall we say at rugby and you're in a bit of a bad mood like we're saying it and then you come in i mean and as a customer starts moaning at you are you never tempted to say you know just you know bog off yeah i suppose you have to be, and likewise yeah. if, it, if, it, if it's gone well <laughs> if it's gone well and you're like the coffees are on the house you might i suppose <laughs> you have to yeah. be a little bit careful with both
1: now fortunately customers don't don't moan at me too much i sort of i, don't, I try not to get behind the bar too often we've got <laughs> people who are much more qualified than me for that so i, I leave that to them um if, if rugby's going poorly sometimes I'll, I'll just keep away because obviously you'll get you know, you'll get Bears fans up there, and and some of them will will take the liberty of of asking you what happened and what went wrong. You know, like, really feel like talking about it. So, oh, yeah. look, sometimes I'll just keep away. But um, but to be honest, like I, I found throughout my rugby career, doing something else has helped it. You know, if, if all I focus on is rugby, we have a bad game, or I've been dropped, or I'm not playing. Okay, well now I can get home and I can go do something else. You know, I can sort of leave that to one side. Um, sink my teeth into a bit of recruitment or, you know, some strategic planning, whatever else it is, um, focus on that. And then I can pick that up on Monday when I'm back at work or Sunday night when I'm getting ready, you know. So that's always really helped me as well, mm. um, to have something else to, to focus on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, how do you cope with that when people come up to you and say about your performance? I mean, how, how do you – I suppose you've been used to that for a long time, but how do you cope with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you've probably – Seen a good few rugby interviews that are always generally pretty bland. um We tend to rinse and repeat the same things. So, look, it's you know it's the same. It's oh yeah, it was a shame and oh it didn't go away. And you know you kind of you save the cussing for them when you get home. So and so said. So no, it's um it's pretty easy to just sort of put on a brave face and and give a few a few generic one-liners and. Um, you know, and then then sort of move oh, on
0: again. Move on. You've given away the secrets now, Jake. I'm going to tell our sports in, uh, reporter. I know. Yeah, I know now. You. I know. A, a yeah. Less bland up. You'll have to
1: really next time you talk to a rugby player you have to really grill them because. Yeah otherwise otherwise I'll just give you the same answers again, again Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell I'm going to tell Ross our sports reporter. And so and so uh, go, just finally finishing off there. So at, at Bristol Bears, I mean what do they all think of you with your coffee and but and who makes the best coffee at Bristol Bears? Is it you, Jake?
1: No, it's it's actually not me. It's not me at all. Um <laughs> so we've got a, a good few of the boys have have the sort of the at-home Sage machines. Right. Um Harry Randall would be one of the better the better coffee makers, I believe. Piers O'Connor can make a coffee. Um, I mean, I, look, I, I'd like to think I'm top five, top 10, but but I wouldn't be number one. Um, <laughs> look, and the, the boys are great. We've, you know, we've a, a good few boys who sort of come up every day on their day off and, um, you know, Semi is up there most days and Gab's, the twins. So, um, yeah, we, you know, we've, we've, we really enjoy that. And they actually get along with the staff really well. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, a few of them you know one of our our managers played tennis with one of the boys and um like like you said earlier it's a nice little community and and the Bears boys you know that that live in and around here really really sort of get involved in that
0: yeah that's brilliant that's brilliant although I hope you don't like walk along and then you see them in the coffee shop down the road or something because you know that that could cause a bit of tension
1: (laughs) (laughs) no look you can't you can't only go to one coffee shop and I understand that you know I understand that myself you have to sort of spread yourself as long as you come back
0: fine yeah that's fair enough and it's research it's all research i suppose and i mean i can't i can't not mention your other sideline of a not a sideline at all actually next chapter of oh, now you've become a, you've just become a dad amazing how are you and how is it and you and amazing i've seen some pictures of you and adele and max and it's just gorgeous you look like you're doing very well
1: it's yeah look it's amazing it's um it's tough, yeah. It's tough. The you know the sort of he's got a bit of a, a monopoly on sleep in the house, which is um, which is fine. But you know, I think it was actually someone someone said it to me. It's you know the the sleepless nights and you know that are, are daunting. But what people don't tell you is you know how nice it is and and what a privilege it is to sort of be up with you with your son and, and enjoying that. So it's I um, yeah, suppose the timing's been fantastic. You know, I've got a good bit of time off now, and and me and Adele can kind of figure it out together. Um, But yeah, it's you know really really lucky, really enjoying it.
0: How old do you think he'll be before you give him his first rugby ball?
1: I don't know. See, now I'm debating giving him a set of golf clubs. Ah, you know, like much much more lucrative sort of longer career. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll 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 wait and see. I I don't think I'll be rushing it. We'll um you know I'd like to. You know, give him as many opportunities as possible and you know, sort of let, let him let him decide what he wants to do.
0: Yeah. The question is, does Adele like golf? Do we know that?
1: No, 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 but 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 Max's dad does. So, oh, okay. you know, I can go play with him on weekends and instead of watching him run around in the rain, you know?
0: Yeah, there you go. There you go. I suppose everyone's sort of happy in the end there along the line. So, so to um for your to be continued, Jake, I mean there's so much what would you What would you like to do next? I mean, obviously, I know you want to just you want to concentrate and keep doing as well as you can on on your rugby. Is that and is that and I love this idea, isn't it? That like you say, you don't just do it and then you move on. That's all part of it, isn't it? It's just becoming better and better at what you at what you do.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know I'd like to win a premiership. I think I think I'd like to you know to win that with Bristol before I finish up, um, and that's a really a really exciting challenge as well because that's. Not really down to me you know it's it's it's, it's needs sort of a hundred odd people to to contribute so you know how i can influence and and help that you know that that's a really exciting challenge um i'd like to continue doing what we're doing with borough i don't think um i, I would like to grow borough but i don't want to lose what borough's about you know i understand that if, if we had 15 boroughs it wouldn't be borough anymore you know so i want to keep keep the core of, of that uh and then honestly i don't know i um you know i'm excited to sort of see what doors open up after rugby and you know whether i sort of go full-time with the cafe or i go and try and, and learn something else um that excites me uh adele is french so you know whether we look to to maybe try set something up in france i love the basque country i'd love to be close to a beach so you know i'm i'm not sure but uh again i i think that's that's Excites
0: me Yeah, and that's also again, isn't it? Part part of it, and I suppose this all ties into when you're playing rugby as well—that you can't control the outcome, can you? You can just you can just um concentrate on now and doing the best you can now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, absolutely, absolutely. Just sort of yeah, put your best foot forward every day, and continue learning, continue surrounding yourself with good people, and 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 what I've found is these opportunities—they open up, you know, open themselves up. So um you know very very fortunate where we are here in bristol and um love our life here love the sort of the life created the people that that we have around us so it's not a case of of rushing into change, but you know, just just sort of keep learning and and just see see where things take me.
0: Yeah, and it must be very special as well with um, your relationship that you have with Pat Lamb. The fact that, like I've heard you talk about this before, that he's constantly learning and you're constantly learning. So even though you've worked together for a long time, you're all you're developing together constantly, and that's a lovely thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, and that's you know, and again, when, when I talk about yeah, surrounding with myself with good people, he's absolutely one of them. So um you know trying to trying to learn as much from from people like himself and um and you know with one of our co-owners um tom tanton ceo of bristol beers as well you know learned a ton from him um even some customers from borough i've I've met just through there you know and had really good conversations and, and learning loads so yeah that's you know that that's sort of part of it and um yeah so so look it's yeah it's exciting
0: I still think you must be quite patient though, Jake. You know, if somebody says, oh, do you know if I were you and it's probably some sort of like elderly unfit person saying, you know, you should just be doing that and you should be throwing there or whatever or in talking in terms that I can't. So I'm sure you're very, very patient. So so your acknowledgements, who would you like to thank? Who are the people who have been very special and who have helped you along the way?
1: Since I've met my, my now wife, I've, I'd like to think that I've, I've improved and grown as a person, so um you know she's been fantastic with you know with the cafe with my career with um probably my enjoyment of life you know I just I I really you know sort of enjoy what we have and enjoy the time I spend with her and my family and um and our friends so that's you know that's that's probably the big one um you know my older brother's always been my best mate and you know he's one who's always um you know always encouraged me and and helped me through and and has always been really honest with me as well, which is, you know, really important. Um, Then the likes of, you know, Pat Lamb, who's, who's sort of brought me along um, with his career and given me opportunities as well. And um, yeah, those those are probably the big three.
0: Finally, for your tips and advice. So two things, I'm going to ask you two things here. So, In terms of sport, uh, because I think there's, we see it, um, there is such a thing, you have to be so careful, don't you, as parents, and you want to encourage your children, but at the same time, you can see it where parents can be, dare I say it, a little bit intense, everything, you know, there's all different sports and they're expected to be so good at county level of every different level and great in academies and all sorts what how do you what would you your advice be to parents really to toe the line between encouraging a child but without pushing them too much that it because becomes overwhelming
1: yeah look I think I think it's important to you know to know what the person wants to do you know if that's the end of the day you know I I can want Max to to be a professional golfer all I want but if he doesn't want to be a professional golfer he's not going to be you know And, and again I think for me i I wanted to be, you know, this was something that I really wanted and I enjoyed. So um, I think if, if if kids, if they latch on to something and they really enjoy it, then, you know, one, encouraging um, two probably a bit of honesty as well always helps that, you know, that there, there is hard work and, and this is kind of what you need to do. But I think the big one then probably is creating that pathway. And, you know, I, I think looking back, I was very fortunate because I, I didn't I didn't know what that pathway was. I kind of stumbled onto it. But if someone had said to me that, look, if you if you do X and and then you do Y, you'll you know you'll get you'll get here, and then once you get here, you can you know try getting here, and um, and I, I think that's well, I, I assume that's what schools sort of aim to do. And but the more sort of opportunity, and and the more that pathway is sort of clearly defined, and and then as long as it's something that that kids enjoy doing, because. At the end of the day, if if a, if a kid doesn't enjoy it, then I don't think, you know, I, I don't think any parent should push them into doing it.
0: No. And also, do you have, I mean, I don't know your feelings, and it's something that always sort of slightly bothers us as parents and, and also in interviews that I've done, that there is such a lot of pressure on young people now. They have to be so good at everything, you know, good at rugby, good at uh, tennis, good at swimming, straight A students. And we, you know, the, the society is such, schools, you know, we all expect so much of them. I mean, what do you think about that? And and what would your advice be? That do you think that if there is a particular talent in rugby or whatever it may be, to channel on that just one rather expect perfection in all these different areas?
1: Yeah, look, no, so I, I, I'm not really in any place to be to be handing out parenting advice. um oh, come on, you're
0: a month but in. But no,
1: no, no, I know, I know, I know, and he's not very good at any of those things yet. So, so maybe I'm I'm not the one to talk to. But. um yeah. Look again. I think, um, like anything, you have to focus on the process. You know, like, you know, the outcomes will come if you get the process right. And, and if if the focus is straight A's, and you know whether it's it's winning races or competitions or being the best and and everything. Um, I, I just I, I don't feel like that's where anyone's focus should be. The focus should be solely on okay, well, how do you get there? And if you enjoy this, okay, well, what is the process then? What what sort of things do you need to do? And a big one I would I would say for for kids is you know team sport. What's what are the things you need to be you need to be able to commit to a team. You need to be able to turn up you know week in week out, and you need to be able to cooperate and and all these amazing life skills and and those are the things that's where I think the focus should be um, whenever we're trying to achieve anything you know it's which if we're trying to be the the best cafe in Bristol well we don't we don't get there by trying to win a medal we get there by improving our customer service by improving our you know our offering and, and I think the same as for for kids or adults in their development if they if they want to be really successful athletes well, then you, you go and train, you go and learn things and, and then those things will come down the line. Um, I, I hope that makes sense.
0: It makes perfect sense. And I think you're just so right in what you say. It all boils down as well to the enjoyment, doesn't it? I mean, it, they have to enjoy it and we have to enjoy what we're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think there's there's any point in, in doing anything in, in life if, if you don't do it. Now, you know, that's not to say that it's a, um, all of it's going to be enjoyable. You know, there, there are parts of, of rugby, that I absolutely don't like. Um, But I understand that's, you know, these are things that that I have to do to get where I want to be. And, and there's a real satisfaction in, in, um, in, in doing the ugly bits and and doing those sort of, uh, one of the coaches calls the ugly zone. Now, if you're trying to learn a new skill, you you sort of have to go through this bit of a dip um, and you have to get really uncomfortable and, and learn a bit about yourself and, and feel like you're sort of you're going backwards before you can come out of it and, and be successful. And, um, you know, and again, I'm sure, I'm sure you found that when you started writing that, that it got harder before it got easier, you know, and, um, but if, if it's something you enjoy and something you want to, you know, you want to get good at um, that understanding that, if you do the hard work again you focus on the process that that result will come and all of a sudden you're writing fantastically and you're enjoying it
0: what is your worst ugly zone bit you know what is the thing you do hate the most
1: so I think with with sport um the thing I struggle with the most is, is when I'm when my body's not cooperating um so I've had I've had four shoulder reconstructions now so so they can get they can get pretty sort of pretty sore and pretty beat up and um you know if i'm playing a lot of minutes some weeks getting into the gym is you know i'm very limited in what i can do it it had a sort of few weeks this season where i'd i'd do a handful of push-ups and that was kind of my my exercise for the week but um you know those days get tough as you know when you're you're physically in pain and it's not just pain but you're you know it's almost borderline that, that injury that can be that can be difficult um you know a lot of the gym work a lot of fitness work you know i i, I like i love playing rugby I'm, I'm i'm like a kid i want to throw a ball around so um a lot of gym stuff i don't you know i don't it's not necessarily my favorite but um but you know again it's i put it in perspective and and you know i, I get paid to to exercise and chase a ball around so it's, it's not not overly difficult to you know to appreciate and, and get on with
0: and just and very quickly, what's your very favourite bit? If you could say one moment, what's your favourite moment of being a rugby player? Uh,
1: I, I think in in general, it's you know big games when when we're playing well. You know, I, I think back to South Africa at Ashton Gate this year, and everyone's on, and we're physical, and we're in their face, and um you know, and and the sport sort of swings and momentum. And, and when they have momentum and, and everyone's scrambling and everyone's working to get back So those big games, I really enjoy, um, you know, obviously we played, played to in a final in France a few years ago, and, and you can really feel the intensity and the speed and the physicality. And um, I love being out there for those. I love, you know, high pressure moments where, you know, where I, I have to, you know, I have to perform. Otherwise, you know, it, it could cost us a lot um and yeah and then i suppose that that for me is you know that's that's a a combination of everything i've learned throughout my career and getting a chance to you know a moment that that i can't take back if i get it wrong that's it it's gone you know and getting those opportunities those are those are what really excite me so i think the big games the you know the talon the south africa we, we played a final um 2016 for connect as well, and you know those are the ones that I really enjoy. Mm,
0: amazing, amazing, and just very finally So, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, "Hang on, look, Jake, he's got this amazing rugby career, but that you know he's also started up with coffee, which is completely different." And so, there, this is making them think and think. Do you know what? I can, I'm sure there there is something I really want to do, but I want to do something different. What What would you say to that person first of all? How do they find what they want to do, their next chapter?
1: Uh, I th- think the first thing I would say is is you know sort of start to educate yourself about it um, I really like reading that's kind of you know that's that's where, where I like to go but if, you know there's there's only the, the entirety of the world's information sort of at our fingertips whether it's videos or blogs or whatever it is so um, you know educate yourself on it would be the first thing and then I think, yeah, you know, I've had this before as well, where I've wanted to do things and I've I've learned and I've learned that I'll try this and I'll do this course. And you get to that point where you just have to do it and and you you're gonna, you know, understand it, you're gonna get it wrong. Um, but you can only learn so much through through books and um, you know, and, and the rest and, and then you, you just have to sort of take that plunge and, and give it a go. So yeah, I think I think start that that education process and then um, for me, you know, having that that real focus that vision of what you want to achieve and and then you know taking that first step and and being driven to do it
0: yeah and that i'm very finally that first stop a bit like you when you're walking out in the tunnel and the crowd is out there and it's like if somebody now you know they're going to put something on social media they you know they're going to announce that they are going to do something or they're going to put themselves really sort of put themselves right out there like you know in the arena in the in the stadium but they feel terrified to do it. And they're like, Oh, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. What would you say to that person?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think you always have to, to, to look at, look at the positives, right? Look at what you're trying to achieve. You know, I think, I think it's, it's very easy in life. One to find problems and, and two, to, to, what well, to avoid problems, you know, and, and I think it's, it's important that rather than, you know, avoiding negative things, we should go after the positive things. Right. So you know having that focus you know why, why am i here and, and what do i want to achieve and 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 then that's that's the direction you go you know and trying to trying to be as kind to yourself as possible and um yeah focus on i suppose focusing on what you can gain not what you can lose
0: oh jake that is such amazing advice you've been such an amazing guest thank you to you to max to adele thank you so much for being such a brilliant guest on the next chapter thank you Elliot. love talk to you So there you are. What did you think of that? Oh, I love this. And hearing that even rugby players like Jake have their moments. And look, it's just all about breaking it down into smaller pieces and working through them. I am so going to use this. I love that too. Look for the positive in what you're trying to do. And then when we just focus on that, well, that becomes our path. So, if you happen to be in Bristol, I know Jake, Adele, and Luke would love, love to see you at their lovely cafes. The link is in the show notes. You can keep up to date with me and my books at elliebarkerwrites.com, and I'd so love it if you joined our Next Chapter community. If you sign up to my mailing list, I'll send you little notes so we can keep in touch. I'd love to know all about your Next Chapters, whatever they are. So, I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, if you're feeling overwhelmed, remember, Break it down into a smaller piece and keep going. I know you can do it and Jake does too. Speak soon.